if Minnesota wants to be the team that they thought they were, they have to win this game. They have to. It's the TD Famers. The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TD Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner. No Jake Arians today, but we will survive because I am riding high. I am basically two people at this point because I am so excited. About the Bears victory last night. I want you to walk me through that. You're two I'm two people. people. I have the amount of energy oh, okay. of two people. Okay. That's that's the amount of energy. I worked out this morning, and I think I scared everybody in the gym because I was just like floating throughout the gym, just levitating, levitating, and I was uh, wearing a Mitch Please shirt, so they were all highly entertained by uh, my attitude this morning. Uh, it's honestly kind of scary how much the how much impact uh, the Bears being good has made on my attitude. But you know what? It's been a while, and it feels good. And they beat the Rams, so I'm going to say that like six times throughout this oh, podcast. Oh, I'm sure you're going to remind it. And we'll get into that game in a little bit. Oh, we're definitely going to get into that game. But there are quite a few other games we got to get into and some breaking news that happened this morning that we got to talk about first. So um, as far as timing goes, this one doesn't make a whole lot of sense because we'll get into the game later on. But the Raiders beat the Steelers, okay? And Ben got hurt for a little bit. It was a weird game. As Jake mentioned on the Friday's podcast, the Steelers tend to lay an egg on the road in Oakland. Mm-hmm. This is a common theme. They did it again. Um, and they did it again. And it, w- it was uh, a bad loss for the Steelers as the AFC continues to get more, tighter and tighter. And the Ravens almost pulled off a victory that would have made things even closer. So this is a uh, – Interesting timing by the Raiders to fire GM Reggie McKenzie. It really is. And look, this was a matter of time. I think we all know who the real GM in Oakland is since the day they handed John Gruden that 10-year contract. He was going to be judge, jury, and executioner of this Oakland Raiders franchise. And he is going to tear down that team and rebuild it in his image. And he he has begun the process of doing that. Uh, We will see if he's able to be successful with it. He needs some time to do that. But uh, I do not think he will be based on past history and based even on some of the moves he's made this year. Um, aside from the Amari Cooper trade, which looks like it's going to work out, it's working out for both sides equally, yes, which we thought was a huge Raiders win only, it's actually going to work out for both sides. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm really bullish on the future of the Oakland Raiders, but yeah, the timing's odd. Um, I know the, the official phrasing is mutually parted ways, and you can go back a few weeks to hear what Jake's thoughts about that phrase <laughs> um, initially were. But he, all indications are that he had, uh, according to reports, that he went in and talked to his scouts and told them that he was fired. So this was not a, like, okay, Reggie's finally going to get out this decision. Um, He's, you know, I think he's a good GM. I think he'll land on his feet somewhere, whether as an assistant GM or somewhere in the front office. There are a lot of titles uh, in front offices of NFL teams. He will land on his feet somewhere. Uh, But, yeah, this this was this relationship was never going to continue as as is. Maybe he gets a little bit of an opportunity to, as we've talked about with, like, the Packers, to get a jump on finding your next head coach. Maybe he has a chance to uh, jump on finding his next job in the front office. Yeah, this was never going to work. This is John Gruden's team. Don't be mistaken. Uh, Reggie McKenzie had nothing to do with any of the trades that were happening. These were John Gruden moves. This is, as you said, judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, it's his team, and for better or for worse, that that is a scary thing. It's very much like how Bill Belichick runs the New England Patriots, but Bill Bill Belichick's Bill Belichick, and the and the resume speaks for itself. Uh, it's a very little, few teams get afforded that opportunity. I mean, yes. we've seen Andy Reid in Philadelphia, and then in, in Kansas City, yep. uh, Mike Holmgren uh, yep. in Seattle and Green Bay had that opportunity from time to time. I mean, it, it's you don't Bill Belichick is the, uh, obviously the big example of that. You don't get to see this a lot. No, uh, and and usually it comes after some success. Not sure. Not not right away. Usually like it doesn't this. come because you've been you know you've been making you know yelling spider two y banana in the ESPN booth for yes. ten years. Yes. Um, but you, again, you, uh, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know my feelings on John Gruden as a coach. I think that he's been one of the most overhyped and overrated coaches in NFL history. Uh, based on his performance in Tampa Bay, which, again, people remember the Super Bowl. Uh, he did not build that team. He coached the team. He gets credit. He coached that team to the Super Bowl. Tony Dungy was not able to coach the team he built to a Super Bowl. John Gruden was, but that team went downhill immediately after that. He was just really nothing special there. But, I mean, the, the Raiders made their bed. This, they yeah, wanted, this is it. They this wanted this personality. They wanted this coach. They wanted this feeling going into Las Vegas. This is what they're going to get. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting timing. I don't think it uh, – 
listen, uh, after a victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that you shouldn't have beaten, um, I think it's weird from that perspective. But at the same time, like I, I told you off the air that I thought that Reggie McKenzie looked looked miserable there, and I think on top of that, you just he looked captive. I think that was, that was the, yeah, yeah. He he just looked captive in those press conferences. Like he's he was just a dummy sitting there, not being able to do what he's supposed to do. And and listen, that's not fun for anybody. It's especially not fun for somebody who is like Reggie McKenzie. He's got he's well respected. He's been a good GM. He's made good moves and should have that relationship with John Gruden. But Gruden's not going to allow for that to happen. And so it's almost like a weird situation if you've ever worked in middle management where you're, you're being asked to hand down a decision to the people that you manage that you don't agree with, but yeah. the people above you said this is what we're doing. That's what Reggie McKenzie looked like. He had to sit there and, and defend the Cleo Mack trade as if it was his idea. or yeah. and Nobody really thought it was his idea, but he had to defend it as if he was on board with it and that he liked it. He just kind of – look, this was never going to work there with the two of them. Uh, now he's gone. Gruden's going to continue to have full control over the team, and they will live or die based on Gruden's decisions. There will yeah. be nobody for John Gruden and nobody for Mark Davis to blame uh, but themselves if this does not work out. Yeah, to be determined, but uh, so so far not so good when you see what Khalil Mack is doing in Chicago and even what Amari Cooper is doing in Dallas. Uh, I Listen, I Jamie and I have both been very harsh on Amari Cooper, but I have to give him credit. He's been, great he's been that, unbelievable that's, that's and totally still, revitalized that offense. To give Gruden and the Raiders a little bit of credit, that's still a trade I do if I'm them. Yeah, for 100 sure. 100 times out of 100. They got, way, they got a first-round pick for a guy that nobody else was going to give a first-round yes. pick for. Yep. So they got absolute full credit there. And I know we'll talk about him in the game he had for Dallas later. But, again, that's now looking like a good pick for Dallas. Yeah, there are, it is sides. possible to have a good trade for everybody involved. Agreed. And it's looking like that's what's going to be the case there. All right, we don't have to spend much time on this, but we're going to go through all the games. The Jets and the Bills, uh, Darnold gets injured again during this game. Uh, this was – listen, there's not much fantasy value for these teams, and there's not much football value for these teams at this point. Uh, pretty much just trying to figure out whether these teams are going to keep their coaches – um, I think McDermott has a better chance of keeping his job than Todd Bowles does, but they come away with the victory, 27-23 over the Buffalo Bills. The only fantasy takeaway I have here is that Josh Allen is in two QB leagues. He's he's in that bottom end of QB2 play because he's running the ball a lot. He had about yep. 101 yards and a touchdown on the ground this game. That's not a fluke. He is running the ball way more than I ever anticipated he was going to. He's still relatively ineffective through the air. He's going to have accuracy issues. I'm not a Josh Allen fan. I don't think he's going to be a successful NFL quarterback. But in terms of fantasy, the rushing yards really elevate his total. And, again, if you're in two QB leagues or you're in a a league where you can play a QB at flex or offensive position, every every, uh, place you play calls it something different. Uh, He is in consideration uh, for that spot there. But really nobody else is. Uh, LaShawn McCoy left this game with an injury early. You know, he was just starting to get back into maybe if you had a two-flex league consideration. I'm just not going to feel comfortable starting him either week. No. And the next game we're going to talk about, uh, another weird one. The biggest news of it was probably that Odell Beckham Jr. sat this game. That was a huge fantasy yeah. impact because that was that was not something that we were prepared for. I got that news over the weekend. Brutal news if you yeah. needed it for the postseason. Yeah, that's a tough that's tough news to get because you're not going to not going to be able to, to to make up for Odell Beckham Jr.'s points. Hopefully you weather the storm and we're able to get through. The Giants put up 40 points. They beat the Redskins. At this point the Redskins were a team that at the beginning of the season Jamie, Jake and I both all three of us, Jamie and I were lower on them than Jake was, but this team was overachieving early on. And obviously I think a huge part of this, you have to talk about the injuries they've sustained two quarterbacks going yeah. down. Their three of their line offensive linemen yeah. are gone. It's this, this team is, is, is a shell of what it was. And 40 to 16 was a, it was a disaster and wondering whether or not Jay Gruden's going to stick around another year. Yeah, you know, the Jay Gruden thing is complicated. And I know I've mentioned this on the show, but, you know, you let two pretty damn good coordinators walk out of Washington and Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay in favor of Jay Gruden. And, and again, that's a lot of times you don't have much of a choice there. Rarely are they upgrading coordinators for the job that the head coach gets fired for. But I don't know. I don't. This would be the weird year to fire him. Yes. Because I don't I think they've actually up until this point they have overachieved. 100%. I did not think this was a playoff caliber team. Mm-hmm. I think I had them at 4 or 5 wins when we did our preseason show. And maybe then maybe that was a little bit low. But this team was overachieving. There just becomes a point where you just don't have enough guys. Yeah. Oh, they, they, this, they, they, they don't, don't have, have enough guys. No. They don't. Josh Johnson. Yeah. 
Yes. Do you, I, didn't, I didn't even know. I forgot Josh Johnson was in the league before this Agreed. week. Agreed. Yeah. It's been a long time since Josh Johnson has been relevant. Yes. Uh, I just – at some point – look, if you're going to make a move, if you're trying to – if if a high-profile coach becomes available and you say, this is our opportunity, I can understand it. But if you're just firing Jay Gruden for the sake of firing Jay Gruden, this was not the year to do it. It was maybe – it was the underachieving years with Kirk Cousins that may have been the years to do it. Um, but for this game – on the Redskins standpoint, there's really no fantasy value anywhere at this point. No. I think Adrian Peterson is a risky, risky flex play going forward. Chris Thompson still doesn't look fully healthy, and that offense is predicated on a quarterback being competent to get him the ball. Uh, he's not going to be able to have that same kind of success as he had in years past with Josh Johnson around. I know Johnson ran the ball around a little bit, and I know what I just said about Josh Allen, but I don't think Josh Johnson is somebody you, that should be on your fantasy radar at all. Uh, on the Giants' side of things, really none of the receivers did anything. No, nope. I know Sterling Shepard caught the touchdown. Russell Shepard caught a touchdown. But nobody really did anything there. But we need to talk about how freaking good Saquon Barkley yeah, is. Yeah, he's a phenom. He's the number two pick in drafts next year, right? It's yeah. going Gurley one, Saquon two, yeah. right? I mean, I, And I would I would dabble in taking Saquon one. He is so good. Yeah, he he is unbelievable. He's a complete phenom. I know that it's been one of the biggest topics of discussion whether or not the Giants made the right move um you cannot deny his talent uh that team needs a quarterback though because Eli Manning's not going to be that guy going forward so I want to ask you that question that's a great point because I've been thinking about this a lot let's say we're redrafting today on December 10th yeah and you're the Giants there Baker's off the board at one do you still take Saquon there because to me I'm not like I, I look at the other quarterbacks there. And yes, they desperately need a quarterback, and they're not going to find one in this. I'm not draft. sold on any of the other guys. I'm not sure. I'm not still taking Saquon. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I, I like Donald, but there he's got a long way to go. And I, I'm fascinated by if Donald didn't have that week one game, if there would be a lot more panic. I agree. In New York. Yep. So again, he got hurt. He's young. I still think I still like his future, but I'm not sold on him yet. Josh Rosen at times looks like wow, this guy's got it. Yep. But at times he looks like he's he going to be happy pass. feet, bad decision making. Yeah, I've never liked Josh Allen. No, I just I, I just think I, no okay. accuracy issues don't get better. And we're starting to see that with Darnold a little bit. No, accuracy issues sure. in college don't get better when you go to the pros. The, my only my only kind of argument back is I would have liked to see Sam Darnold in a competent offense because sure. at the same time the Jets offense has basically no playmakers yeah. like none and I think that has a lot to do with what and we're seeing with Shermer would be a, a lot I think I think than... watching him under Shermer I think watching him with Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram would have been a much truer test of what we were going sure. to see from Odell him. Beckham is light years above Robbie Anderson yeah 100% but at the same time I don't I don't think at this point you can look and go, the Giants made a horrible decision. That's the thing. I think that's I think that's the argument that was happening at the beginning of the season a lot was what the hell did the Giants do? Because Eli's play was so poor. But at this point, I don't think you can look around and go, Wow, any of these quarterbacks, aside from Baker, yeah. who was taken off the board ahead of time, and if he was there at two, I would have. Well, I Baker's would've... still the pick there, period. Yeah. But he, but in this case, they wouldn't have had a chance. Exactly, exactly. But I think at this point, you look and you go, "It's all right. It wasn't a wasn't a bad, wasn't a horrible franchise changing move." Yeah, I don't I mean, think position scarcity is a problem, and I understand that. And, and they do need to address the quarterback position. I don't think Kyle Lauletta is going to be it if he even comes out, but. Um, Right now, if, if you took a chance on Saquon Barkley in the middle of the first round in your fantasy drafts, you are thrilled because, again, he's he's going to very well be – he's not the MVP. Uh, that's going to be Gurley or Mahomes just yeah. with, with the ratings. But everybody else, I mean, he could be the third or fourth best fantasy player by the time it's all said and done this year. Yep, 100%. Uh, all right, the next game we're going to talk about is the Saints and the Buccaneers. For the first half of the game – the Buccaneers were controlling what was happening for the New Orleans Saints, but Jameis did Jameis things as their offense in the second half. Sean Payton made adjustments. This team looked much different in the second half. But I will say, if you're an Alvin Kamara owner and you're a Drew Brees owner, you've been starting those two. The, these are back-to-back weeks where you haven't had great weeks. Drew Brees only 201 yards, one touchdown. Mark Ingram was actually the top rusher in this game, 52 yards and one touchdown. So I think uh, – Michael Thomas still gets 98 yards, but doesn't get in the end zone. What you've gotten used to from Kamara and Breeze and Thomas, you didn't get the last two weeks. So this is a little bit of a flashback. If you own Drew Breeze over the last like five or six years at any point, the big knock on him in fantasy was that he was never a strong fantasy playoff performer, that he tended to have 
either underwhelming or just blah weeks when you got to around week 14, week 15, week 16. He tends to have his average, not, not always. There are some seasons where he's met his, his season averages leading up to it. But he always kind of throws in a dud week, right, somewhere in the fantasy postseason. Uh, and, again, they won the game, so in real life they're, they're, they're moving 100%. on. But for the fantasy purposes, there's always that risk there, and you can't not start your breeze. You, no. Unless you have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, exactly. You don't have a better option <laughs> yeah. to start a quarterback. You yes. have to kind of roll and deal with it. Same thing with Alvin Kamara. You're not benching Alvin Kamara. No. This – they look a little out of whack right now. Like, I, I thought agree. there was a period of time in that first half. I didn't think they were going to lose the game, but I thought they would have to like scrape by with a Will Lutz field goal or something. Yeah, the blocked the really the blocked punt is really what changed mm-hmm. this game because if they don't block that punt, I don't know if the Saints are winning this football game. That really changed the momentum of this football game and allowed them to kind of get it going and get the, give the Saints good field goal or good uh, a field position early early on in the second half. But listen, this was a this was a hard fought game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that has been lit up mm-hmm. by a lot of offenses. This was a, a game where I thought there would be a lot of fantasy value. I agree. Relatively little. I mean, who, Michael Thomas had an okay fantasy game. If you're PPR, you're fine with Michael yeah. Thomas in that. But if you're in a standard format with a no touchdown, it's just an okay game. Same deal for Mike Evans. Uh, you know, this was a game where I thought everybody would have a really strong game. Yeah. And, you know, Mark Ingram gets in that end zone on that big on that run, and it really pushes him over the top. But nobody had a great game here. So I think no. there were a lot of very disappointed fantasy owners that really were expecting, wow, I've got Saints players against the worst deep, had an historically bad defense to open the postseason. I'm going to be in great shape. And turns out you weren't. Yeah, this is another thing that you and I will get to as we as we discuss some of the other games. This is the time of the year, though, where things tend to get – tend to even out a little bit. You don't see these high-flying, huge games. You see offenses have to travel. You see uh, defenses, guys are playing for their jobs at the end of the season. There's a little bit – It's a lot of film on you too. Yeah. You're you're facing a divisional team for the second time. I mean, there's a lot of of factors. A lot of factors going into these games. So as you see December, you change. We'll we'll talk about some other games where the weather definitely impacts how these teams are playing. But December football, there's – the difference tightens up. It really does, and, and we talked up. about this before. Because, and we, we will get into it a little bit. We're trying to go in order, but the Sunday night game. Yeah. And one of the first things I said when I walked in, uh, besides saying "How was your victory Monday," was this is the type of football that we sometimes forget for the first couple months of the season. That it gets to December, it gets to January, and it's the defensive teams that really start to shine. Yeah, you got to grind. You got to grind out victories. Mm-hmm. There's the, this. The reality is. It's a nice storyline that the NFL in one season has completely changed to being the Big 12. That's not true. No. One, change doesn't happen that fast. And two, defense still wins championships. Yep. And that's that's the truth. If you have a solid defense, defense travels. That's the truth. And when the weather gets and when the weather changes, if you have to go play in the cold weather on primetime in a in a tough environment, the high-flying offense isn't going to fly. No. And that's not just the Chicago thing. That's a lot of places yeah. that you have to go play. And it gets tough, and not everybody gets to play in a dome, New Orleans. Yeah. So if you have to go on the road, it's a much tougher experience, even going to Tampa. I mean, they struggle on the yeah. road in Tampa Bay against a much inferior team. All right, this is the weirdest game of the week. This game is strange because at one point I looked down and go, okay, the Patriots are completely blowing this game away. They're going to they're gonna completely control this game. From a fantasy perspective, Tom Brady had 358 yards and three touchdowns, about as good of a fantasy day mm-hmm. as you could possibly have. He had a great game. But the end of this game was wild for me. I I have watched the end of this football game so many times because I am trying desperately to figure out why Bill Belichick thought that they were going to Hail Mary that pass from where they were. Because Ryan Tannehill can't throw that pass. Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out why Gronkowski and guys are back there waiting for a tip ball when you know Ryan Tannehill, he's not Patrick Mahomes. There's one person that can make that throw. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes and maybe Aaron Rodgers. There are, few, there are a couple guys that could get it close. But, uh, but not Ryan Tannehill. Not with the not with his injury. And this is this is huge implications I'm, for the AFC for the AFC playoffs because the Patriots at one point, you and I have talked about this a lot on this podcast. If the Chiefs have to go to Foxborough. In the postseason, they're not going. I'm not choosing. I'm not picking them to win that game. Now they have a two game lead on New England, and I don't think the Patriots are going to be able to, to to get past that. There's a fascinating discussion to be had, and I think we're going. I want to ask Bruce Arians about this on Wednesday, but I'll, I'll ask you to think about it as I talk about this game. Who's the second best team in the AFC? 
because uh, I don't know. But uh, in terms of this game, yeah. To me, part, it, part of me, part of me wants to almost t- tell you that I, if Baltimore was able to pull off, they should have won that football I mean, game. I, I mean, they should have beat you, the. You Jeeps. look at the Patriots. Should be, but they have games like this, and they, but they always suck in Miami. I, yeah. I, I do not understand the mental block that the Dolphins have. Only in Miami against them. The Steelers continue to lose these games. At some point, I'm just going to have to look at the Steelers and say, you're just wasting your talent at this point. Yeah, you're like, not not a good football you, you team can, right now. Super Bowl contenders don't go to Oakland and lose, and period. Oh, End and, of story. And oh, by the way, they play the Patriots and the Saints the next yeah. two weeks. Houston, I like, but I've never loved. I thought they were always a tier below. Uh, I'm not that concerned they lost Indianapolis this week. I think those two teams are, as I said very on the show even. Friday, talent-wise, they are very close. Yep. I still think Houston has the edge, but they are closer than it looks. I always thought they were tier two. Chargers look pretty good, but they're still the Chargers. That team just yeah, makes I think, joke. I think I tend Baltimore, to – Baltimore, yeah. I that defense. But, I mean, like, so the debate here between Baltimore, L.A., Pittsburgh, Houston, New England, who's the second best Probably team the in the Chargers. AFC? Probably, probably the Chargers. the Chargers, but that team might have but to go on the road. But the way we just said it, probably the Chargers? Like, I'm not I'm not super confident saying that. That team hasn't exactly had a, a ton of postseason success. So. I think this week we have Patriots-Steelers. And this week it's at Heinz Field. It's in Pittsburgh. Steelers could lose that division still. Like, that's no, not out of the wrong possibility. They're lucky that they didn't – that they're not tied right now with the Ravens because the Ravens should have beaten the Chiefs. Yeah. They had every opportunity to take advantage of that. Now they played to the last minute, but this is gonna be a huge game this weekend for for both teams. Yeah. And I think New England let one slip away, and and Pittsburgh obviously had an opportunity to go up there and beat a bad team and and wasn't able to do it. That has huge implications here. And from a fantasy perspective, we'll get back to this game yeah. specifically. I mean, Kenny Stills has had a better connection with Ryan Tannehill yeah. than he has Brock Osweiler, so he might be somebody that you want to throw on your bench as a flyer if you have. An opening there. I mean, I know he's been – he was nothing with Osweiler. He had no connection. But he did hook up with Tannehill pretty strongly in the first couple of weeks of the regular season this year, if you remember. Uh, I continue to say that, again, Frank Gore is going to continue to be a thorn in the side of, of Kenny Drake owners. Um, I know, obviously, you got that, that last play of the game, which is fine. It made it up everything for you. But Frank Gore is being featured equally as much as Kenny Drake is. Yes, he is. On the New England side, I mean, aside from Sony Michelle, everybody else did what you wanted to. Gronkowski had a big game. Uh, Jude Lemon had a good game. Josh Gordon played pretty well. I mean, you so you got what you needed from there. James, you know, the running backs disappointed you a little bit. Sonny Michelle didn't do much with his carries. James White wasn't used a bunch. But, I mean, it is what it is. When New England goes to Miami, these things happen. And we'll talk about this on Friday. Tom Brady is 1-6 in, in Miami in December. i got to give Adam Gates some credit. Yes. That team is 7-6. and six. I thought they were a 6-10 team at best. I'm not firing him now. You can't. You fire can't fire. I don't care if he loses out. You're not firing. He he, ha- he started Brock Osweiler half the season, yeah. and they're seven and six, and they just beat the Patriots. The offense again. looks decent. It doesn't yeah. look great, and their defense has been pretty good all year long. They're they're solid. They're a solid team on both he, sides of the ball. Here's what I would say: I think Adam Gase er- has earned his right to have a, to at least try and see what Ryan Tannehill would look like for a full season being healthy because we haven't seen it. Ryan Gase hasn't had Ryan Tannehill, or Adam Gase hasn't had Ryan Tannehill healthy for a full season since he's been in Miami. And that's the whole reason they brought him there, to get the best out of Ryan Tannehill. And right now there's a four-way tie for the final wildcard spot. Baltimore, Miami, Indy, and and Tennessee are all 7-6. I mean, there's, they have just, I mean, again, they don't have the tiebreaker over Baltimore right now, but they have just as good of a chance to make the postseason as any of those teams. Yep, 100%. And and I don't think they're as talented as any of those other teams, aside from Tennessee. But Tennessee and Miami play very similar. Like, Tennessee and Miami are very similar teams in terms of just how they're constructed and they don't make a ton of mistakes. Yep, being well coached right now. All right, what a, this was another, this was a great Sunday of football, by the way. Like the whole, like the whole thing. Like it it was. was a great Sunday of football. Great Sunday night football. Hopefully we get a great Monday night matchup tonight. But Chiefs-Ravens, we've talked about it a little bit. I thought the Ravens were going to be able to pull this game off. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, Mahomes, 377 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Lamar Jackson, 147 yards with two touchdowns and 71 yards of rushing. He's the top rusher for that team. That's where this is from interesting because if you if you, if you're messing around and you need somebody now Big Ben had a little bit of an injury I know people were worried about whether or not you're going to see him I think he's going to play this weekend I don't think that's going to be an issue but listen Lamar Jackson is becoming a very interesting fantasy play he really is I'm trying to see where I had him ranked this week I think um, you said nine didn't you have him in your top ten uh, I I imagine I did I'm so I'm, Stalling while I'm looking. You're up. stalling, but uh, uh, I had him. No, I had him 14 this 14. week. 14. I think that's where he's going to be. I think he's going to be top 15. 
Um, if you're in the playoffs, my bet is you have Somebody a single else. quarterback league. You have a better option. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're desperate or again, maybe if you're, you've been riding just Roethlisberger all season, um, for whatever reason, or Roethlisberger and Stafford or Roethlisberger and Wentz. I, I mean, say, I found Jock Wentz in, in fantasy a week ago in a single quarterback league. Yep. Uh, he might be an option. From a real life football standpoint, I think you saw what the downfall is of starting Lamar Jackson right now. Uh, in overtime, and, and even late in the fourth, where you know he has, he fumbles the ball a ton. I mean that, that I mean he fumbled eight fumbles this year. I mean it's bad, um, and he just he is not sophisticated enough as a passer right now to be that much of a threat. Like yeah. they, they get the ball back with like a minute and a half to go in regulation, you're like, I don't. And, and the announcers are openly like, I don't know if we even try to throw here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I mean, so that's my only concern with Baltimore right now is they're so one-dimensional. Yeah, they're doing that really, really well. Jackson and Gus Edwards are doing a great job when everybody knows they're going to run it down their throat, and they're doing it anyway. But at some point, you need to be multidimensional, and I think this kind of came back to the conversation I had with Jake and you on Friday of I like Baltimore's defense a lot. I think they hold Kansas City under thirty. We talked about it. hold Kansas City somewhere in the twenties, around yeah. twenty-eight. I think I said, but I. But the problem is, is I can't see them keeping up offensively. Yeah, and when sure. the game were on the line, we watched Patrick Mahomes drive this team down the field and make – I mean, that play he made to Tyreek Hill, between him and the play that Hill makes to not give up on it, is season highlight worthy. For sure. That was a drive that Baltimore can't do on offense. And in the end, Kansas City did just enough to win. Uh, Spencer Ward looked a lot better this week than he did last week, and yep. he, he got injured and was knocked out for a little bit. But um, seventy-five yards, it's a good. I mean, and if he, got he gets 50, in the five catches for fifty-four too. Yeah, I if mean, he if he catches a touchdown pass, you're in a really good space. So he has a strong game. Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end in fantasy. Period. Yep. Uh, he, he will be getting drafted in the in the Gronk spot next year going into drafts. Yep. Uh, Tyree Kell is a monster as usual. Like I mean, you know what you're going to get there on the Baltimore side. I mean, guys, that was an okay game. I mean, you're not starting any Baltimore receivers with Lamar Jackson. Just no. it's not happening. No. But. Interesting discussion to be had is now that they've lost the game, does Joe Flacco come back? It, it's it's so if they went into Kansas City and won, there's no way they're starting Joe Flacco. I'm not a Joe Flacco fan, uh, personally. My concern is I don't think they, this team can win multiple playoff games with Lamar Jackson. I agree. Right now. And I get, I like Lamar Jackson. Same, but he's got to grow as a as a quarterback. But he can't put up. I don't know if he can put up enough points right now. And I don't know if they're going to be able to to two thousand Ravens their way into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I just don't think that. I think the defense is good. They're not. I think great. it's really good. Yeah. I don't think it's Chicago's defense. Yeah. Like I, it's just, and then that's my concern. Where they, they are a really good defense, but they don't put up points on defense like, yeah, they, no, they're like not Chicago does yeah. or like they used to in the old days. I just I don't know if Lamar Jackson would be able to put up enough points to go into New England, into I guess into Pittsburgh. Who knows? Those games are always uh, uh, crazy. But into New England, into Kansas City, I just think that could be yeah. It's gonna, for them. It's going to be interesting to see what they do there because they do have an opportunity to. to it's still win this division. So I think that's you gotta you gotta at least make make sound decisions and I'm not a Joe Flacco fan, but he does have he's more he can do more things than Lamar Jackson. And yes he's turnover prone, but so is Lamar Jackson. So is right Lamar now. Jackson. Lamar Jackson's turned the ball over at a stupid rate. Yeah, I was gonna say it's I, I think Lamar Jackson's been great and I think they definitely sparked the team, but at a certain point you gotta have this discussion. Uh Colts Texans, the Colts uh listen, this was one of those games they always play pretty tough. Houston was on a nine-game win streak, but Jake, I think, was the one who told us that the when teams are on a nine-game win streak, when they're going for the tenth win, they're like two and twenty or something like something that. Like it's that. an outrageous number. Uh, Andrew Luck, three hundred ninety-nine yards and two touchdowns. Have yourself a fantasy day. Uh, T.Y. Hilton has almost two hundred yards of receiving. It's a good game if you have Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. Eric um, Ebron gets in the end zone again. Yeah, Eric Ebron gets in the. Terrible drops. So. Yes, he did. So, as a as an Eric Ebron owner, it was frustrating. Just, but he Lions uh, Lions fans just nodded their head in agreement. Just, yeah, yeah. But he scored that. me seventeen points, and if you get seventeen points from a tight end, you're you're feeling oh, you're golden. You're golden. Uh, Marlon Mackett's in the end zone as well. This was a game that Colts really really needed. Like I said, yep. they're in that mix now with Tennessee and Miami seven and, and six Baltimore now. Uh, at seven and six. You know, and for Houston, I, I know you have all those like numbers going into win streaks. Just mathematically, it gets more difficult percentage-wise to win the following game. So, like, to win game six is more difficult than game five, just how math works. But it goes back to what I was saying, where I think Houston is a good team. I don't think they're a great team. We're starting to maybe reevaluate who those teams are in the AFC right now because 
I can't I, – I've been – I thought Pittsburgh was a 13-win roster, and I look at this team and I think that's not a great team. That's a good team. I could, I could see them going in and winning a couple playoff games. There might be only one great team in the AFC. Yeah. And that's Kansas City. I agree. Uh, but I look at this Houston team and I say they. I, I'm still excited to see them. I'd like to see them use Lamar Miller a little bit more in this game. But again, he didn't do a lot with this carry, so it's understandable. Not a huge game for New Hopkins, but he gets in the end zone, so I, so he salvages your day there. Deshaun Watson played okay. Uh, this was just again. I, I think for me, I did a regular season like awards for fantasy football. You can read it at tdfantasy.com. They were done before this week's games. Uh, but my comeback player of the year was Andrew Luck. Yeah, uh, was, absolutely. It, it, was, it was my number two of choice there. I think I picked Adrian Peterson. Uh, but either Peterson and Luck were my comeback players of the year where he's picked up right where he left off despite missing 500 and something days uh, with that arm injury. Uh, next game we're going to talk about two teams that have been uh, very disappointing, the Atlanta Falcons and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers get it done. They win 34-20. to 20. Uh, both Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers put up probably good enough numbers to win you in fantasy this week. Matt Ryan, 262 and three touchdowns. Rodgers, uh, as much as people painted it as a huge day, he didn't even have 200 yards of, of uh, passing. 196 and two touchdowns. Aaron Jones, uh, 78 yards mm-hmm. and a touchdown. That's good. Devontae Adams, 81 for a touchdown. Devontae Adams, by the way, is uh, I still don't think we talk about him enough. No, he's great. I believe right now he's number two among all wide receivers in scoring. Yeah. Like, it, it, he was a guy that you took – Early in that second round, and it hasn't been a sexy off. pick, and nobody, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, well, look at Michael Thomas's catches, or look at Julio Jones, or look at yeah. you know how great you know Antonio Brown, Adam Thielen are." All those guys are getting outscored right now, except for yep. aside from Michael Thomas and PPR by Devontae Adams. Yep, Devontae Adams is having himself uh, a good year. And listen, if you drafted Julio Jones, this was the week you're you're thinking your lucky stars. He gets in the end zone twice and has 106 yards of receiving. That's that is about as good of a day as you're going to get from this version of Julio Jones yep. in this offense, especially on the road. So you have a lot of the, the stars show out for you in fantasy. These two teams, from a football perspective, I'm not interested in talking about because neither one of them are going to do it. No, and Green Bay got up early. And, yep. and it, there was this game was never in doubt. The Packers were going to win this game. Uh, on a funny football note, I know people were making fun of Joe Philbin for losing two challenges in the first nine seconds game. He was right on both of them, by the yeah. way. And the referees were wrong even after review. Uh, he 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 made the right call to challenge those two plays. So I know everyone's like, "Oh, look, it's like McCarthy again. He can't win a challenge." He was right. Yeah, the referees were wrong both times. So uh, next game we're going to get into here the fighting Baker Mayfield's twenty six mm. twenty final score. Baker Mayfield uh, has turned himself into a starter in my two quarterback league. Two thirty eight with one touchdown. Nick Chubb gets in the end zone. Brashad um, Perryman's alive. Brashad Perryman is alive. He just hadn't really had that one play, but disappointing though if you have a Cam, if you're a Cam Newton owner because he doesn't throw any touchdowns. That's, yeah, that's tough for you. But but listen, this team that looked pretty good for a while is now six, was and, six and two. Yeah, they're now six and seven. This team does not look very good, and Cam Newton doesn't look great. Uh, yeah, this offense. I mean, McCaffrey's McCaffrey he gets in the end zone twice and has sixty-three yards. Is he the number three pick next year in fantasy? Probably. Uh, are you going three running back? For, I, I don't know if Mah- Mahomes will go in the first round next year. I don't think Mahomes is going top three. Yeah, I'm not taking a quarterback there, but I, mean, I love McCaffrey. Gurley, Saquon, McCaffrey, and I PPR. Think so. I think that's what it looks like next year. I, I think so, and I think that's about what it should Maybe be. Maybe Melvin Gordon. I mean, Melvin Gordon's in that conversation. I mean, he probably would be three if he didn't get hurt. But. Yeah, I'll agree. I, th- I think he would be up there if he hadn't gotten injured. But McCaffrey's young, and he's and he's such a threat both ways that he really – and he and they go to him in the end zone, which is a good thing because a lot of times those guys get a lot of yards and then they they look for somebody else they look for the big back down there and they give McCaffrey the ball and he gets in the end zone a lot that's huge from a fantasy perspective so I mean in this game you know what you're looking for Uh, the running backs are going to be the players that you want Uh, if like you said as a Cam Newton owner I'd be concerned yeah um, just the way this team is playing the only thing that of, of note on, on each side, one on the Cleveland side is they used they went out of their way to use Jarvis Landry in a lot of different ways. And I know we've talked on the show the last couple of weeks that he's kind of been the forgotten man in the new Hugh Jackson-less offense yeah. in Cleveland where he just wasn't being used the same way. Uh, they got him involved early for that that, or that short touchdown run uh, early in the fir- first quarter. They end up using a little bit. He only gets five touches in the game, but they're finding – at least it looked like they're trying to find creative ways – um, for him to get involved in the offense. And from Carolina, as bad as things are, if the Vikings lose to the Seahawks tonight, which is what I think is going to happen, they're only a half game back in the playoffs still. Yep. I know this team has lost five in a row and every and the sky is falling and everything's terrible. But from a football perspective, they are still in the thick of it. Yeah, and they still it's still a good football team. I'm waiting for them to turn it around. I, I just I think these games you, you expect 
that they were going to go in and win this game. Maybe when you looked at this game on paper, but the Browns have been better and Baker Mayfield is a fighter and he's had this team going and they're five, seven and one now. He's good. He's, he's a good he's, player. Like I just, that throw he makes for Shai Perryman in the, in the beginning of that game where it, it just almost effortlessly just 60 yeah. yards downfield was just a magnificent throw. I'm really excited to see this team next year uh, and, and what the growth and what mm-hmm. they can put around him. Uh, next game we're going to get into, we could just go right to George Kittle because my, oh my, 210 yards and one touchdown, 20 to 14 final score. I think it was Jake that said, yes, the Broncos have been playing well, but they're going to lose out from here on out and miss the playoffs. They're now six and seven. Uh, the Niners are obviously out of it. So from a football perspective, I, I, the Broncos are still there. Um, because the AFC kind of is mm-hmm. a hot mess in the middle but there. But they're, they're going to start to have to hop teams now. Yeah, if they win this game, they're in that mix with the tennis with four yeah, other and teams. This is, a game, this is a game you look at and you go, this is a bad football team that you have to beat on the road, and they don't get it done. So I think from that perspective, you're it, it's a little frustrating. Uh, Nick Mullins, though, quiet, great fantasy game, 332 yards of passing and two touchdowns. That's pretty damn good for Nick Mullins. I, I kneel at the altar of Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. If anybody has ever doubted Kyle Shanahan, what he's been able to do with Kirk Cousins, what he's been able to do yeah. with Matt Ryan, what he's able to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. We still haven't fully seen what he's able to do with Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo. He only has a handful of games with him. But like Nick Mullins. Yeah, Nick freaking Mullins. Uh, I mean, Nick Mullins, Jeff Wilson had a big game. I mean, like these are – I mean, with all due respect, everybody in the NFL. They're backups. Counts. These are nobodies. Yes. That Kyle Shanahan is making look competent on offense, even in losses. Uh, so I, and if I'm a Niners fan, I'm at least optimistic – there are a lot of problems on that team. There's a lot of defensive problems, which I don't think they anticipated two or three years ago when they spent all those high picks on that side of the ball. Um, but on offense, I think they're set for the future. George Kittle is going to be interesting to see where he goes in fantasy drafts next year uh, because I think a lot of people – I think Kelsey's going to go as tight end one. I think Zach Ertz is going to go as tight end two. The question is, is, do people take Gronk three? Do they take Kittle three? Does Gronk and Brady retire with Belichick? Whatever, all that weird yeah. stuff. Uh, but Kittle has been consistent with Garoppolo, with Mullins. With I, will, I will tell you, I'm not taking Gronk over George Kittle. I'm not. I think people are gonna, that's going to be the debate. Who's I, the, I, think, I think people who don't pay enough attention to football are going to take Gronk off name only. But Gronkowski has deteriorated. And it's that is that is significant. And, he and as Sonny Michelle has grown up, his usage in the offense has not been the same. And you have to, at, at a certain point, you just have to talk about the fact that he cannot stay healthy. He just, if he misses five games, it's not worth it to have him on your football team. It's just not. It's too many games to miss, and it's too frustrating to try and stream a guy each and every week. And on the Broncos side, I mean, this is the worst game of Philip Lindsay's young career. Yep. Gets in the end zone, so he salvages it a little bit. Uh, but Royce Freeman looked good in his carries. Again, I think both those running backs are going to be. Might be a little frustrating fantasy owners next year because I think it might be more of a time split uh, than yeah. people anticipate. And then Deshaun Hamilton looked really good this game. This was the this was his breakout opportunity with Emmanuel Sanders hurt. Didn't hear from Cortland at all, which I was really surprised by. But it's good to see Deshaun Hamilton get in the end zone. Uh, next game we're going to talk about here: the Chargers get a victory at home, twenty six twenty one. It was a little closer than I I anticipated to be. But man, if you are a Joe Mixon owner, he has a great game over hundred yards and a touchdown gets in the end zone. Uh, Keenan Allen seventy eight yards and one touchdown. Austin Eckler gets in the end zone with sixty six yards. Philip Rivers has a good day, not a great day, 220 yards, one touchdown. Um, but most of the guys that you expected from a fantasy perspective have a good day. Um, it wasn't a great day, but yeah. I think you and I have talked about on this podcast a lot about Austin Eckler, so for him to get in the end zone was a big deal for him. It was. You know, I'm an Eckler and Joe Mixon owner, uh, so it was a good day fantasy-wise yes. for me from this game. Um, you know, keep an eye on like Eckler. I believe got a stinger in this game, so just kind of keep an eye on him this week because he's had he suffered a few of those injuries, and you want to kind of see – what his status is going. I would not be surprised to see Melvin Gordon come back this week either. So if you're an Austin Eckler owner and you've been playing him either as an RB2 or a flex, just pay very, very close attention uh, to him this week. Um, In terms of like Keenan Allen, he's been proving the last few weeks why he's a wide receiver one. uh, And he's solidly in that category now. I'm just, from a football perspective, I'm content but disappointed a little bit with the Chargers' performance in this game. I know they got up early, but they, they let Cincinnati claw back in. I need to see – I know it's so cliched, and I, people, I can hear people rolling their eyes as they're listening back to this. <laughs> but there needs to be some sort of killer instinct on this Chargers team. I agree. Team. This team just I, – I, And the reason the – the, reason- When the Saints are on – and I know this may be the bad week because they, they end up only beating Tampa. Doesn't matter. But can- when the Saints are on, they beat people up. Yeah. They beat up inferior teams, particularly when they're at home. Yeah. 
the Chargers, I know they beat up on Arizona, but they had to get down 10 nothing before they yeah. did it. I need to see them have games like that more often. For where sure. They, they put teams away by outscoring them. They don't just salt the game away. They put teams away. Especially I, when you have that offense. Especially when you have Phillip Rivers and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the weapons that they have. Now, Melvin Gordon comes back, maybe we see that sure. a little bit. But I expected to see more out of them. And if I, if I am going to put them in that – you're the second best team in the yeah. AFC category. I got to see the pedal to the metal. And that's where the context comes in. I'm not looking at the Chargers as a playoff caliber team. I'm trying to evaluate the Chargers as a Super, Super Bowl agreed. contender. Agreed. And when you reach that next caliber, I have to be a lot more critical of you. Uh-huh. And, you know, we're going to talk about this game in a little bit, but there's a certain defense, certain rush defense on a very good team in the NFC that I look at and I say, I now am concerned because I consider you a Super Bowl contender and you have this major flaw. Yeah. For the Chargers, it's that they don't ever seem to put themselves in a position where Just they don't play away. down to their opponent. Yeah, put it away. Yes. Put it away. Uh, all right, this next game we could throw away. Uh, that is the Detroit Lions and the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not joking. This game's we're, a waste of time. We're not going to talk about this game because from a fantasy perspective, there's nothing to talk about. And from a football perspective, there's nothing to talk about. I, I watch a lot of football. Right, and I do a lot of research for fantasy and all that fun stuff. I literally have never heard of Trent Sherfield in my life. He was the leading writer. I, I'm not joking. I'm not trying to say that to be funny. No. I am, but I'm not. Like I literally have never heard of this human No, game. nobody else has either. This game is a waste like, of time. Uh, do not start anybody from Arizona at this point. And Matthew Stafford should be as far away from your fantasy team as you can possibly. The Golden Tate trade looks absolutely it's horrendous a, look, the, for the, the Detroit Lions. The, the, the Tate trade was abysmal. This team's not coached well. I'm sorry. No. Sorry. This team is not coached well on either side of the ball. No. I know it's, oh, well, they held Arizona three points. That's – this Arizona hey. team is – Okay. Uh, but, like, I just – I mean, Darius Slay is great. I will say that. Darius Slay is – it used to be Xavier Rhodes was the quarterback that was so good and nobody talked about him. And then, now it's Darius Now the Vikings play on primetime all the time, so people know that. It's Darius Slay. Because He's he plays on a bad talent. football team. For yeah. him, I hope he gets to go play somewhere else. Two of the best corners in the NFC in this game, and that's the nicest thing I can say about it. Yep, that's the nicest thing you can say about it. All right, this game we talked about briefly. Oh, briefly. Um, if Karen, John- I don't, Karen Johnson is not going to play again this year, I don't No, think. they're going to shut him Just down. There's no reason to bring him back and risk Drop him, him at injured. this point. He's droppable. Pick up somebody that can help you. Uh, the next game we're going to talk about, Raiders-Steelers. Obviously, we talked about a little bit from a football perspective. 24-21, the Steelers lose a game that they had to win. They had to win. As many games now, they've lost three in a row now. Uh, this this team is not playing good football when it matters because teams that win They're the Super not Bowl. Good football. No, November and December is when you start to figure out what teams have and what they're made of. This team now has to play New England next week, and they have to play the New Orleans Saints. Still, I'm not. I'm not convinced this team is going to make it to the playoffs. I think they will, just because. But I'm not convinced they're going to win the division. No, but absolutely uh, not. But I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a realistic possibility because right now, let me let me double check on this. They're they are seven, only, they are seven, they are five, and one. A, okay, so they are half a game above being in ninth in the AFC. I mean, so it, it, to your point, maybe they are, maybe they could miss the playoffs. Don't here. tie with Cleveland at the beginning of the season. Yeah, literally, do not like. Also, other way, if either if Cleveland have won that game, we're talking about them as like hey, a, borderline playoff team. They might be there. Borderline um, playoff team. Uh, look, not having James Conner obviously hurt them. Jalen Samuels did not look good. No, uh, Stephen Ridley looked worse. Yep. I know he got into the end zone. But. And Ben was injured slightly, came back, played. I mean, he has yeah. 282 and two touchdowns. Derek Carr had a good fantasy day yeah. for you, 322 and two touchdowns. And I should clarify, Samuels didn't look good on the ground. I mean, yeah. he caught seven passes in the game. Yeah, They're going to use sure. him in different ways, but he didn't look great on the ground. Uh, and- Juju looked off. That- just which play by Juju do we want to talk about? I, uh, the tiptoe. The, the tiptoe in the back of the end zone or the play that should have tied the game for the Steelers to end regulation. Yeah, if they if they knew what the hell they were doing and if their kicking game was not their kicking – I mean, the kicking game in the NFL in general this year has garbage. been – Yeah, garbage. Yeah, and it's that's a, that's a head-scratching moment where you're looking at that and going – Man, that's you gotta, make that you gotta make that kick. There are certain moves where you get yourself in a position to make to to, to tie that football yeah. game and go. And you knew if they were going if they were going to the overtime. Yeah, they're winning that game. Pittsburgh's winning that game. But gotta say, <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster, 130 yards and two touchdowns. As an Antonio Brown owner, he's eating away at Antonio mm-hmm. Brown's numbers and right now. He should be. And and, and as the, as the statistics will show, when Ben does not force the ball to Antonio Brown, they have better games. I know they lose this game, 
But I think that they're going to continue to do that. James Conner, it was reported that he could be back this week. So but they, have, they have to hope. I mean, yeah, I mean they, they're, they're going to need him down the stretch there. Uh, it's funny for Juju, for a guy that was people thought didn't have enough speed coming out. Uh, yeah, you, you watch him, that, that play at the end of regulation <laughs> where he just blows by everybody, gets out of bounds in time. Uh, on the Raiders' side, I mean, Doug Martin got in the end zone. Again, he continues to just hang around outside to flex play territory. You're not, you're not loving it. Cook has been good, um, you know, 116 yards in this game. That's really about it. Like, there's just – there's not much to say about the Raiders. I know, I mean, they, they got this win. They won the game. But there's really not, from a fantasy perspective, much to say about them. I think you know at this point who you're playing. And it's really Cook's probably the only player you're even considering starting on a weekly basis. Uh, football perspective, this next game had a lot of implications. 29-23 final score, Dallas Cowboys, for, for all intents and purposes, pretty much – make sure that the Philadelphia Eagles are not going to make the postseason. I know they're technically, statistically still in it, but there's going to have to be a lot of things to happen. And when yeah. you can't control your own destiny, it makes things really hard. It and essentially I just, won the division for Dallas. It essentially won the division for Dallas, and it essentially put the Eagles away, um, which as as somebody who thought this team was going to come back and be strong this season, I think it's been a huge disappointment to watch them play. At the end of the season, we'll – Regular season, we'll definitely regroup and talk about disappointments. They will definitely be in that category. Um, And biggest surprises or biggest winners of the trades this year is definitely Dallas. Amari Cooper, 217 yards and three touchdowns. And that tip one in overtime. And oh, by the way, Dak Prescott had 455 yards and three touchdowns. Oh, my God. And nobody was probably starting. So here's what I want to talk about. I want to pull this up because, um, one – We'll get back to the Dak Prescott thing in one second because i got to find the thing I need there. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is slowly moving his way into MVP category Yep, 113 yards in getting the end zone. I know we've always given given it to Mahomes or Breeze or Gurley, but Ezekiel Elliott has – still got a couple of games that matter before we call him MVP. Um, I'm trying to stall here while I find this. Uh, Oh, again, to give credit to Amari Cooper because I've been highly critical. Yeah, I have to to give credit to Amari Cooper because I was hardly – Listen, nobody has ever doubted the talent that Amari Cooper has. He just never played up to his potential. And maybe I saw an interview of him post-game yesterday, and he was so – it was such a great interview talking about how as much as I despise the Cowboys, playing in Dallas – is it, it brings out some of the best in certain players. And certain players, but listen, he left Oakland in a terrible position. Oakland, if they were winning, is a great place to play. Sure. Being in a terrible – that organization right now is dysfunctional and it's a terrible place to play. He talked about what it means to him to be playing in Dallas and how the expectations are higher and the level of practice that's happening and how they – he just – he feels revitalized. And that's obviously – reflective in the way that he's playing because 217 yards and three freaking touchdowns. I was playing against Amari Cooper and I just said, well, I'm losing this. Like, all right, this week's over. Like he single-handedly won the game yeah. because my the people who are playing against had Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara who had horrible weeks and Amari Cooper made up for it uh, with this unbelievable performance. So it's something interesting because with Dak Prescott, because he's somebody that I was kind of like, Interested in when I did my preseason rankings. I ended up having him 17th. I pulled this back up in the preseason. The interesting thing about him was last two years, he finished in a points per game among quarterbacks. Two years ago, 10th. Last year, 11th. Right now, he's in the top 15. Wow. So I think he's going to be somebody that when you get outside of the obvious like 10 quarterbacks, that if you're in a 2QB league or you're looking for somebody off your bench, he might be a player that you go and think about because he might – Finished three consecutive seasons in the top 12 for fantasy points per game. And I think nobody has talked about that. No. And he had a brutal start to the season, but he looks – I mean, every statistic with him, every number, accuracy, yards, t- touchdowns, everything has changed since they added Amari Cooper into this offense. So I think that's someone to watch going forward. On the Philadelphia side, Carson Wentz had a big game. Uh, he had a yeah, fun, he had big game well. with three touchdowns. Alshon Jeffrey gets in the end zone, but it's just like – It's too little, too late. Too little, too late. They still can't run the ball. Yeah, yeah no, this is a – this is a frustrating team if you're an Eagles fan. Just go watch the 76ers play basketball instead. Uh, now is the time to talk about Sunday night football. Uh, if you are a Chicago Bears defense owner, just give yourself a pat on the back because, man, oh, man, it was a great night to be an owner of the Chicago Bears defense. Jared Goff had 180 yards and no touchdowns. Time and- and, and four picks. Yeah. And four picks was, four. was sacked. Jeff Fisher was coaching again. Was sacked three times and had 17 hurries in that game. 
Todd Gurley had 28 yards. 28. Todd Gurley, the guy we've been talking about for an MVP discussion. This Chicago Bears team, you guys know, obviously, I'm a Chicago fan. But, man, there is not, there could not have been a better defensive performance than what we saw against an offense that has looked unstoppable for most of the season. And quietly, my guy Jordan Howard, 101 yards back of to back receiving. Back-to-back really strong games for Jordan Howard. It's that time of the year we start running the football. Yeah, so, I mean, if you – and, again, I was worried about him. I said there was a point where he was the candidate for most disappointing player. For sure. Uh, of the year that I did. And uh, we'll see if he has some relevance now in fantasy playoffs with back-to-back really strong weeks. Tree Cohen got his as well. I know Trubisky didn't have a great game. Um, he's Again, he's not 100% yet. The Rams can't stop anybody on the ground, but they are pretty good at getting pressure at the quarterback. Yep. Um, and when I said earlier we talked about that, that's the big weakness for L.A. is they cannot contain the running game for against anybody. No. They have a lot of talent on that defense, but their rush defense has been abysmal. This is the great equalizer for Chicago. This is the formula that Chicago has to say, okay, how do we go into L.A. and win? How do we beat the top teams in the league? This is how they can do it with this kind of defense and this kind of performance. Uh, I mean, if you're a Bears fan, you have to be ecstatic right now. If you're a Trubisky fantasy owner, I think he's fine going into the weeks ahead. Yeah. Um, again, he's got to get healthy. This is a big opportunity for him. But uh, if you're a Rams owner, I think you just – if you own any of the Rams, you just got to shrug. Like, Goss been great for you all year. Todd Gurley's the fantasy MVP, arguably. You know, Robert Woods in a PPR league got enough to be okay. Brandon Cooks didn't have a great game. Uh, but these guys have been carrying you all year. They're not going to face a better defense the rest of the season. No, they, they go back-to-back. So next week they play the Eagles on Sunday Night Football, Another, but they're playing in L.A. The following week they go play the Cardinals in Arizona. So you're they end the season with great matchups. Eagles, Cardinals, 49ers at home. Yeah. They have two of those three games are at home, and the one game is a 45-minute flight to Arizona to play a very bad football team in Arizona. So if you are a fantasy owner of these guys – the Eagles are not great against the run, and the Cardinals are terrible against the run. So you're looking and going, yeah, Todd Gurley's going to bounce back and be just fine. The reality is nobody is the Bears' defense right now, and don't expect that no. performance from anybody else. And from, from I own Jared Goff, and I'm playing him all the rest of the oh, yeah. I just didn't play him against the Bears. The one benefit that this game might have for Rams owners, if you play in a playoff that does include Week 17, yes, it's now increasingly likely that game is going to matter for home field throughout Yep. for the Rams. They have the same record as the Saints. Obviously, the Saints have the tiebreaker because they beat them. Yep, so they're going to have to play. So they're, so this might force them to play all their starters, at least for most of the game in Week 17. All right, let's preview tonight's football game because we, as we said during at the beginning of last week or on, on Friday's podcast, we anticipated that we were going to have a good week. And, man, we had a great week of football. We, we had a great Sunday night game, and we have a great Monday night game with a lot of actual football implications and probably quite a few fantasy implications for you guys that are in your postseason for fantasy this week. We have the Minnesota Vikings. Six five and one, going on the road to play the Seattle Seahawks. The Bears—they're looking up at the Bears now in this division. They're not catching the Bears. They're not catching the Bears, but they have to win to continue to try and keep up with the NFC because one of the teams they're looking at is this team that they're playing tonight. So this game is. So let's let's take it from a football perspective first, and we'll talk about fantasy. Obviously, this is a matchup with the two teams holding the two wild card spots right now. But this game is is extremely important for both, but especially for Minnesota because, as I mentioned earlier, they lose this game. They're only a half a game above Carolina, Philadelphia, and Washington. Yep. I think Washington we can write off. Just, there's just no chance they're going to be able to get back in that, in that picture. But Carolina and Philadelphia have enough to, again, if they're only a half game behind Minnesota, they might be able to catch them. If they lose this game, they're only one game behind Green Bay, who, again, I don't think has enough to catch them, but you're still within a range of, like, yeah. it's not out of the realm of possibility. For and Seattle, if they lose, there'll be a full game. But it, it, both of these teams are just trying to avoid being in a spot where they're going to easily fall out. Because at that point, it's not like you're trying to compete with one other team. You're competing within three or four other teams. And one of those three or four teams could go on a little bit of a run to end the season. And then all of a sudden, you're in trouble. From a fantasy point of view in this game, I expect to see a lot of running game on the ground. Seattle is trying to not – not replicate what Baltimore is doing, but they're trying to run the ball like Baltimore is doing. And Minnesota, Dalvin Cook has looked pretty good the last few weeks. He's finally starting to get up to speed. This is something Jake talked about in the preseason, that this would be the time of year that Dalvin Cook would get back up to speed following the ACL surgery and the other hamstring injuries that he had this year. 
if you've been, you know, there are a lot of interesting fantasy plays here. I've been really excited to be a Russell Wilson owner recently, considering how bad of a way it started for him. Um, I, I think I had Cousins somewhere outside my top 12 this week. I'm not as optimistic for them. This game should be in one of two ways. It's either going to be moderately good offensively, both teams are going to be in the 20s and things are going to go, or this game is going to be stupid. And I, I can't decide which one it's going to be yet. <laughs> like, this is going to be some stupid, like, 38 to 31 game where it could be. where everybody's scoring a ton of points in the second half. Uh, but for for me, I just I, I look at this game and I think, by best estimation here, that their both teams are going to try to run the ball as much as they possibly can, especially in the first half. And then I think in the second half, there's going to be a lot of fireworks right through the air. So these are the remaining schedule for the Vikings and the Seahawks. The Vikings, obviously they play tonight against each other. Then the Vikings play Miami at home. They play the Lions on the road. And they play the Bears at home. Seattle has the 49ers on the road, the Chiefs at home, and the Cardinals at home. I think the schedules are about even. Yeah. They both have one tough matchup. They have one obvious win, one obvious loss, and one kind of one toss-up. Yes. And that that is why this game means a lot because these two teams are right in the thick of this. And as they said, they th- these two teams should if, – if all things happen the way that it should, these are the two teams that should end up in the postseason. These are the two better teams. They're Carolina, Philadelphia, Washington, Green Bay, none of those teams have shown you that they're they're going to win a game in the postseason. And the benefit is, is like Carolina has to play New Orleans twice yes. before the end of the year. Philadelphia has to play the Rams. They also have to play the Texans. I mean, so, I mean, there's – they of, of all the schedules, Seattle and Minnesota have easier schedule paths than anybody else. They also Minnesota for their they hold the tiebreaker against Green Bay. So yeah. if they end up hold, if they end up being close there, they hold, they hold the tiebreaker because they tied in one game and they beat them in another. Game. And Green Bay has a couple easy games on their schedule too, but they also have to play the Bears. Yeah, it, so. listen, if they play if they lose this weekend, it's they're yeah done. no the Packers have to win out. But if the Packers are able to beat the Bears, yeah, then all of a sudden, yeah, that's a conversation because I, I'm double check who they have there. Because if they're able to beat the Bears, again, in Chicago, I don't think it's likely, they go to the Jets and then they finish at home against the Lions. Yeah. So then all of a sudden they're right back in that picture as well. For sure. It's an interesting – it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks uh, from that perspective. There's a lot of teams in both the NFC and the AFC that can still mix it up and make it to the postseason. Uh, Jamie, what's your prediction for tonight? Uh, I think the Seahawks win this. I think they cover the three-point spread and it was bounced around between three and three and a half. Um, again, as I, as we're at the point I made on Friday, I need to see Kirk Cousins go on the road and win this, these types of big games and big moments against good teams. Yep. And I haven't seen it yet. I think he can. I'm still optimistic where I've kind of made up my mind that like Matthew Stafford can't, cause I know that's the, I talked about on Friday, the hypocrisy a little bit that I have internally with Kirk Cousins and, and, and Matthew Stafford. I still think Kirk Cousins can. I just need to see him do it. Yeah. Agreed. It's this is going to be a really interesting matchup. I think if Minnesota wants to be the team that they thought they were, they have to win this game. They have to because they don't have any remaining games where I'm going to go. Yeah, that you've really proven it to me that this team belongs in the top of the NFC caliber because you play Chicago Week 17. Yeah. I, I just there's not there's no game remaining that I'm going to look at them and go, I'm getting a true test of what this team is. Uh, they have to go up and win this week, and I don't think that they're going to. I think that Seattle's going to handle their business at home. I think they're going to be able to establish the run against Minnesota, and I think they're going to be able to keep the tempo going because it's tough to play in Seattle. It's not the same defense. It's not the Legion of Boom, for sure, but this team – it, it, it's still a tough place to play, yeah, and, and Pete Carroll's got this team playing really good, damn uh, good. I know he's not here right now, but I know Jake believes the opposite. I think Jake, Jake was has been really high on, on the talent of the Vikings. He picked them to go into New England and beat them. Yep. Uh, that didn't happen. He picks them to beat the Seahawks in this game. Uh, I'm not questioning the talent on Minnesota. No, they I mean, have a lot of talent. On paper, that is one of the best teams. Show it to me. But I haven't seen it. Show it to me. I haven't seen it this yeah. year. Prove it to me. I haven't seen it. And I watched this team up close on Sunday Night Football just get manhandled by the Chicago Bears. I Like, show me something, Kirk Cousins, because I haven't seen you play a good team well. And that's the thing. That's the knock on him. He beats up on the bad teams but can't beat the good teams. you got to go beat these teams yep. that are good if you want to be a true contender in the NFL. Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? You can follow me at JME Eisner on Instagram and at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And, guys, you can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. And you should follow at underscore TD Fantasy on both Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to enjoy Monday Night Football and good luck with your fantasy matchups.
Hello, TD Fantasy listeners. Jamie Eisner here telling you about the ultimate fantasy football draft experience. You've heard us talk about it on the show before. Fantasy football at sea. Think about what you were doing this past draft night. Were you just sitting on your couch? Were you stuck at the office hoping your boss didn't see you? That's no fun at all. Isn't fantasy football supposed to be fun? Why not upgrade and do your 2019 draft on a cruise to the Bahamas where you can get the best advice and party with the top fantasy analysts and former NFL players. Beach, sun, fantasy football, TD Fantasy will be there. That is a tough combo to beat. Go to fantasyfootballatsea.com for more information and learn how you can book today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.